I just came back from the salon. And for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells un. Believable, Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze's other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Roe. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andysgirls. Sign up today. in my home and your business. <laughs> Diamonds aren't a girl's best friend. A calendar is. What the fuck uh. day is it? <laughs> I was like, where is he going? I don't understand. Was it's this a book. sponsored by Borders? Okay, great. Okay, writing things, learning, things not on BravoTV.com. 
you guys and these girls. And it's episode 158. And I just have to say, I'm so excited because I feel like Andy's Girls was a little bit of a matchmaker with today's guest who's making his triumphant return. Not since episode 68 has Uh. he sat on the people's people's couch, but it is now 158, just a couple more. (laughs) And I'm so excited to be joined by none other than writer, producer, director, creator, showrunner. Aspiring Real Housewife with the aspiring in quotes, James LaRosa hitting Yay. the floor here on the People's People's Couch. Yay. James LaRosa. So we should probably tell the listeners, because I guess they are not BCC'd on our 24-7 text messages. So you were booked on Andy's Girls in 2018? Yes. 2018, I was in New York doing press for Hit the Floor. Uh, And so Hit the Floor was a a show that I had that was on VH1 and BET, ran for four seasons. It was amazing, uh, big fun, all that. And uh, I do live in Los Angeles. And Mm. so for the listeners out there, uh, Sarah really does insist on, you know... (laughs) Being, being in, in New person. York, unless so, there's a global pandemic, and the, and that's, that's only that's the only exception to the rule. And and I will say I was really you know nervous that I was going to be a Jules, like a one a one shot wonder. And so now <laughs> I'm going to be like a Kristen Takeman, maybe <gasps> at least. Wow, adding some pops of color to our <laughs> conversation today. So essentially, you guessed it on um, AG. We had a blast, and then you were like, I'm here for another night or whatever. Do you want to go grab drinks at the Regency? And I was like, yeah, maybe, definitely. And I have a 107% chance cancellation rate on a good day. And I remember you, like, slid into my DMs or something, because I don't think we were we had exchanged cells at that point. And we're like, are we on or something? I mean, it was lovely. I didn't it didn't mean that to sound like you were talking like a cunt or whatever, but uh, that was later on. Um, but you were like, are we in to go to the Regency? And I was like, yeah, let's You're do like, it. And this? then yeah. I was like, fine, whatever. I'll I'll hit the bar. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went to drinks and have kind of become lovers. I don't know, lovers, yeah. life partners. Um. It's just a real hag fantasia over here on the Upper East Side. We talk 24-7 about everything. We do. We do. All things at all times. Yes. And it's magical. I, it, You know what? I really, if I can even sort of kind of join the pantheon of uh, fab gays that you have, like you have. <laughs> My harem. Your, your harem. You have like Damien and Brian and, and Evan. <laughs> Who, Evan, by the way, because of your podcast, I've now listened to his podcast. Oh, Evan, which I'm yes. uh, now a big fan of. So, yeah, uh, he had Isaac Mizrahi on this week. Very, I listened very good. to that one. But Ooh. so you're still my number one. Um, Thank but you. so I'm hoping to kind of like squeeze into that sort of zone eventually. I figure by 2028, I'm in. I mean, I think there's a very good chance. And I also have to say, so we we don't talk on the phone phone directly a lot but we do a combination a fun fusion of text messages and voice memos and so you're typically based in LA but have been a lady of London a lady of leisure for the yes. last month two months it, since February. February so basically I was not on a set and so I thought 
London is my favorite city on earth. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, this would be a good time to just kind of be there. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Miss Corona decided, you know what? You're going to be there. <laughs> You're going to commit, longer. bitch. So <laughs> I went from being in an Airbnb to like living here. So now I have no idea when I'm going home. I have, you know, I God bless Zoom and keeping in touch with people. But I'm mm. literally like, I had all these plans to go to France and Portugal and mm. Spain and Italy and uh, Germany. And I had like a whole mm-hmm. thing. And now I can tell you uh, exactly what's in my refrigerator. And I can tell mm. you what is exactly in the medicine cabinet. I'm very uh, intimate with this place and no other place on earth. And I mean, the upside is if you're going to get (laughs) (laughs) if you're going to get stuck in some sort of quarantine, but can get out for social distance walks, there's sort of no better place to do it than Europe. And you are kind of seemingly by what I've been seeing on um, your social and what you've been texting me these you went to like kensington palace for a stroll earlier today like there are worse places <laughs> to be quote unquote stuck if you can make it happen financially than fucking london well so yeah i mean i i just that you know i'm corona has decided i stay here but i was planning on being here for a while maybe not this exact sort of vibe of it but my ultimate mm-hmm. goal is to be able to be here a lot um and uh, uh seeing how sort of everything is being handled back at home makes me really yeah. feel like even though Europe was, you know, deemed the epicenter of uh, the virus, I was like, you know what, for some reason, I feel like even if this is the epicenter, I feel like, you know, the orange menace is going to really he's going to do something <laughs> big. Now, it hasn't happened yet, but he's going to really like blow Europe out of the water. And he did. And so God bless you all that are there. Thank you. We're so happy here in New York City to be number one. We're number one in everything. And Corona, this is just another notch in our belt. It's um, such a thrill. Yeah, I, I I do really feel like you at least have somebody there. I mean, whatever, we can have a whole terrible conversation. But at least you have someone <laughs> there who's on TV in local government who is not a shit show. So that's a good and thing. Sp- Speaking of local TV, so how do you stay tapped into all things Bravo? You are a Bravo-holic of many years. How do you keep yes. in touch? Well, so, yeah, unlike many of your other um, esteemed co-hosts, I have very little actual connection to the Real Housewives franchises. Like, they all seem to be best friends with, you know, <laughs> Lisa Rinna, or they're writing a book about the entire Real Housewives franchise, or... I mean, I did have uh, Erica Jane on Hit the Floor, which was a thrill for me. Um, But that's about as far as it goes. So as far as how I keep on top of it, well, let's just say I I enjoy um, just creative ways of finding the different franchises online. And um... (laughs) (laughs) Would PK appreciate the potential non-legality i don't know (laughs) what you're talking about i will tell you that dorit (laughs) pays my entire cable bill it's in her name so it's completely legal 
Listen, that woman loves to just stake her claim in someone else's debt, and I appreciate her for it. So which which Housewife franchises, I mean, are Housewife franchises your number one connection to Bravo? Do you watch non-Housewife Bravo shows, and this is like a 12-parter, and which Housewife franchises are your go-tos? So as of today, the Bravo does not exist without the Real Housewives. I used to do, mm-hmm. whether it's the Matchmaker or the Top Chef or whatever, mm-hmm. I can't even get into marginal housewife shows like I, you're, you just try and get me into Vanderpump. I can't do it. I know that Lisa's on there, but it's just not in my universe. It's not the Marvel you, universe for me. You have to be in the mood for like straight up trash. Vanderpump, I got into late in the game. And I think I had like a back injury or something and was like, let me fucking get play in this shit. And it was perfect at that point because I wanted to like judge people harshly while mm. laying in bed and was like, oh, this is it. These people are all trash. This is the perfect combo for it's, me. Except I live there. So I live in mm. Los Angeles. And so and I've been to Pump and I've been to Tom Tom and I've been to those places. I don't need to see them on my screen Mm -hmm. because I Mm -hmm. see it just there's a level of sort of desperation and fame Mm, delicious or hurry that Mm -hmm. uh I I, it just no so so so, yeah so to answer your question um my the housewives that I watch and love and I'll even put them in order uh my number one is New York uh Mm -hmm. my number two is Atlanta I would say my really Atlanta for all time or right now watching. I think Atlanta has been so consistently good for at least the last five seasons. And Beverly Hills, so proud of you. Yeah, Beverly Hills used to be. I used to be able to say Beverly Hills would be number two, but they've been so poor for so long. Now I'm Mm. glad to see they're actually having an uptick. But you're gonna, Mm -hmm. you know, you're gonna have to do a little bit more to win me back. So Atlanta is for sure number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. and then uh, I guess I mean I definitely watch Jersey, and I mm-hmm. hate watch the OC. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're gonna tell me why I need to watch Potomac again? I know, I know enough I that's can't. going on there, but I I can't. I can't. It is. Uh, let me just say, not to dive in too early with a satchel, but I have a satchel that is quasi super related to this which is where is it a satchel of gold from kurt in harlem shout out to kurt um satchel gold hey sarah love the show your podcast is pretty much the only one i listen to as i quarantine in my harlem studio oive kurt i'm there with you um in my upper east side situation Uh, i'm a relatively new bravo holic my boyfriend first introduced me to real housewives through the potomac franchise a year ago sidebar boyfriend of the fucking year marry him tomorrow someone who tells you to start the houseway franchises james i hope you feel terrible right now and super guilty with potomac is a genius recommendation it's short it has a third the season of like oc for example fantastic fantastic tv anyway since then back to kurt uh since then i've mainlined all of new york during quarantine i'm powering through beverly hills just finished the Munchausen season. Wow, double exclamation points. And while I still have a few seasons left, I'm already thinking about what franchise do I go to next? What do you advise? So Kurt sent me this DM slid into my Instagram and I immediately was like Potomac because I... (laughs) 
And he was like, sweetie, like I that's that's how I started the satchel. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. And so I read it again and was like, okay, let me take a second. So he has done New York. He's working his way through Beverly Hills and he started with RHOP. James LaRosa, what housewife franchise Atlanta, would you recommend? That, obviously. Right? Atlanta. Yeah. And actually, I am saying this having not watched every episode of Atlanta. I got into it with I'm trying to think of what happened that season. It was, and actually the person who kind of, um, I hate to say this because I know she's not on your high list, but uh, Phaedra, I would see Phaedra and some of the things she said made me, and this is before she's calling people a rapist, you know, when mm-hmm. they start to nosedive. Um, but she made me laugh with her confessionals. I was like, all right, I'll watch. Um, and so it was like Phaedra, Kenya. I mean, it was, it was probably maybe the year before for the whole um, uh, rapist gate. So, so I've been mm-hmm. watching for about four or five years. Atlanta. So I guess I'm saying you could say if it's worth watching from the beginning. I tried to go back at the beginning. Kim Zoziak to me is kind of a non-starter. Um, so, yeah, I know. I mean, she was great at the beginning, though. The, the terrible dresses, the changing in a gas station, the um, fake cancer gate which lasted about three minutes during a reunion where she said she had cancer and then had non-cancer and then was just losing her hair for reasons she can't really get into but like sniffle sniffle fantastic quality historic television I'd highly encourage to both you and Kurt from Harlem that you deep dive with Atlanta OGs I mean they are watching Nini's journey from a woman who professed wealth who didn't have it to becoming truly famous and the point of access for actual celebrities to being able to book work on a tv show directly related to housewives and nothing else and then kind of watching her fall from grace both in the favor of the show and production and also kind of in fans hearts and minds it's a journey I mean it's a journey I've only experienced the part of Nini that was sort of kind of fabulous she was coming off Mm. of doing all that Mm -hmm. all the shows Mm -hmm. and then the flame out so i i've watched all the i I have the ability to watch reunions for seasons i've never seen so i've watched like claudia and i've Mm watched all that kind of business Who was great i mean talk about a one season wonder she had a fantastic and her tagline's amazing it's like i'm not going anywhere and it's like wait where'd you go um (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah so i've only i've only really I've only really been slumming it in in toxic Nini. I'm not so I don't appreciate. So you said that New York is your go to and Always Beverly and Hills is in your top three. How are you feeling about this season of New York versus this season of Beverly Hills? So is this I could out myself as being a prior satchel. I mean it, Oh yeah, do it. <laughs> so there, there may have been a moment in the in the recent past where perhaps a James from London may have said, <laughs> <laughs> may have been a bit concerned after watching three episodes and was basically saying- Oh, of New York, right? Of New York and saying that I, you know, I admitted to being a Bethany stan and mm-hmm. uh, that I was- Praying for you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, it's- I, I had a fear of what would happen and and I was seeing in the first three episodes that fear realized because uh, it's working in television, Sarah, in scripted television. 
you you need that person who is going to like you can have all of the like will and grace isn't called jack and karen for a reason mm-hmm. you can have all the fluffy you know helium balloons flying around as i alluded to um but unless you have someone there who's going to ground it then you're you're in a little bit of trouble you're getting a lot of cotton candy you're getting a lot of like nonsense and you're getting a lot of which I wasn't necessarily expecting repeat business. I wasn't, I'm like, again, with Ramona taking phone calls from other people, mm-hmm. again, with uh, Luann being pissy about whatever room she's assigned. Like, I was just like, ugh. And then, yeah, and I was like, Leah is not a peer of, of, uh, of the women. And so it may, I mean, I was, I was trying to, honestly, I was trying to find a way to say, and <laughs> not to say a particular thing. And I think I found a way to word around it. But I felt like early on she was making them look old. Like she was who Leah was? Leah was making the women look old and out of touch. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. I think that's but that's sort of I don't know that that's worked against them. Maybe as a whole, the totality of the season is like there's too much of a fissure, but short fracture, but short term, which word? Um, short term, I think it's worked. Like them being too overly concerned and trying to like tattoo shame her and everything else. I mean, I don't know that it's bad if they look out of touch because their Mm. behavior generally is out of touch. You know, like I'm not looking at New York lately to like connect to them on a level that feels like yeah, current. I, I feel like I'm like looking enjoying... at them through a place in time. Like Sonia belongs in the Museum of Natural History. I mean, she is a Smithsonian artifact. She should be right there with the Morgan letters. I mean, they abide by a system and kind of society. You know, Jill Zarin's running with a fabulous circle of people that doesn't necessarily exist anymore or not to the level that it did, you know, at the height of when these women were trying to get their foot in the door. I guess there's a difference to me between tattoo shit. Like, like it's sort of funny that Luann is like, ooh, ping pong. I love ping pong. And they're playing ping mm. pong, like ping pong or something. Like, it's one thing to kind of be like, okay, that's sort of like, eh. but the tattoo shaming to me felt like, I don't know. I, I know what the ratings are for New York. And I sort of feel like you have, like, I, there was something about watching my aunt's kind of, dither around and I don't know it, it, it that was that was now I will say that's how I was feeling after the first few episodes and I think and this might be a good segue for you I'm not sure I think I mean, maybe but <laughs> I think that watching this week's episode I have to accept that it is just going to be a different show without Bethany and that it might not be a bad thing but it's sort of like we're living in different times like for instance I don't know that we would have gotten the Jacques as stand-up comedian storyline if Bethany were on the show mm-hmm. like it feels like maybe the show is opened up in a in a way slightly to give a little bit more room to some of the stuff that we might not have otherwise mm-hmm. seen and so I just have to accept that it's a different show I really definitely do miss Bethany I just it's and and she's 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 definitely problematic for me. Like I saw those bracelets that you were making people and you had like their face. You're wearing, it's a whole, I'm seeing. I know, I made charm uh, bracelets. I put them on Instagram for people, their favorite housewife on the name. I'm wearing four because I'm a sociopath. And I was like ready to order mine. But then I was like, wait, who would I order? Because I do feel like I would mm. not want to wear Bethany on me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, who is, who is my new Bethany? I couldn't even figure it out. Um, I mean, yeah, I hear you. So what would you... So does it seem like you feel like you're missing out 
with Bethany not being there as a whole long term, but short term, there are these little moments that may not have existed or lasted as long had she been in the scene. I think if I'm given something new and that, so I like, for example, how Ramona is telling Leah how to mend a relationship Mm -hmm. with her mother. Like it was Mm -hmm. kind of a maternal Ramona. It was Ramona acting her age, which I think if you are five 35 or 75 it's all fantastic and I don't think there are rules I mean be young I mean someone told me I look 32 and I was thrilled and I don't ever want anyone to think anything otherwise now so that's great (laughs) Uh, I am not so obviously we have complicated relationships with how old we are but there was something about seeing Ramona do something different which was instead of you know flailing around and leaving the group and doing whatever actually giving someone some good advice like don't fucking text somebody like show up and what's her favorite flower like it it was a different side of her which I was here for and so when I say it's a different show I guess I'm not really saying that in a complaining way I think a show has to evolve that's what this is doing and I I have actually enjoyed the episodes since I expressed my initial concern is it like am I going oh my god I can't wait to watch there's still someone who's not like slinging the zingers like they were before. Mm-hmm. So I miss that. There's mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's no one doing a Ramona cheers. Like that's the kind of stuff I'm missing. But you know, it's, I, I do think that uh, it's just, it's different and I'm just going to have to roll with it. Do you think that people would be enjoying Leah as much as they seem to be had Bethany still been a part of the cast? Hmm. Yes, because I feel like Leah comes off as less edgy mm-hmm. um, than and sort of brittle than Bethany does. So I think it's a mm-hmm. different kind of a different kind of energy. I'd be I think we'd get a different Leah though if Bethany were on the show because is as much as I think people respond to Leah because she doesn't take anyone's shit. We've also seen her a little bit take shit, and I feel like mm-hmm. Bethany would keep her in her place. So, uh, but I, 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 I think it would have been a good thing. I forget who said that they missed an extra housewife or two, but I do think that the show would benefit. They don't have it in, what's her name? Elise? Yeah. Is she, my favorite is when they, it's so clear that they are not even, like they, they they're not even pretend related to anyone on the show. Like they, they, they said she was Dorinda's friend in this episode. And then in the same episode, Dorinda's like, we could have a whole conversation about Luann's drinking. We have to, of course, and we will. But it's just like Dorinda just totally claps back at Elise in, in a way that is like, I don't even know you, bitch. Like, I'm like, who is she really connected to? So the deal with Elise, I think she was initially brought on, I thought by Ramona, but I was talking to some folks before we started recording because I was confused as to what the plan for Elise was. So you look at... um. Sutton on Beverly Hills she was brought in to be full-time announced to be full-time and because of some uh unrelated to production that became very connected to production issues with her ex-husband he um rescinded the ability for her kids to be on camera and so for whatever reason production decided that because of that she needed to be demoted to a friend of which was a choice I disagree with but there we are um with Elise I started to wonder why is she kind of here if she's not contributing anything? It's like a little bit of a where, uh, where's Waldo where there's like this picture of a person. She's in a crowd, but 
aside from being able to pick her out like what value is she bringing to the show and i got a satchel of gold you guys killed it with satchels this week i got a satchel of gold from Lindsay in shelton connecticut who says i have a question about new york what is the deal with elise she seems to be in every group scene this season and goes on the day trip next week and even giving her two cents when not asked was she filming to be a possible housewife and in the end decided they decided not to use her even as a friend of i feel like she's getting a lot of screen time I don't know her presence bugs the shit out of me and I get that because I was in the same boat where I'm like she seems uncomfortable on camera which I mean listen Sutton has the benefit at least of the production for Beverly Hills having filmed for far longer than what they've been showing us so regardless of how much time she actually spent on camera I think that actually has helped her quite a bit and Elise potentially didn't have that benefit I think that who knows how much Bethany quitting the show so suddenly um, and when you think about it slightly irresponsibly to the viewers at least, how much did that have an effect on how Elise was used? Maybe she wasn't working out, but they were like, she has this relationship. Maybe she will. Maybe she had a couple good scenes and they were asking her to film more and it just didn't work out. Or maybe she did participate, but for whatever reason, the edit wasn't on her side. But I have to say that I didn't, I don't there's something about her where I'm like she seems too normal even though there's all this stuff in the tabloids about her ex-husband being I don't know a witness or something for the FBI or whatever with like money yada yada um I guess he and PK would be quite close um what regardless of whatever legal doings have been going on in some lawsuit with her nanny or something she's been in the tabloids but just because she pops out on page six doesn't mean she's like popping out on the screen. And for me, I'm like, what value are you bringing? You seem kind of uncomfortable. And the way you're communicating is actually almost too normal to me. And, you know, New York starts at a 10. She might be on a real person four, which makes for lovely dinner conversation. But I don't (laughs) think it's like working on camera. Then we have this moment this week at that weird Jacques Laugh Factory, which I don't even know what to say about that. Where Dorinda seems to be equalizing Luann's potential or previous brand of someone with a drinking problem as Dorinda deciding that if Luann doesn't have a drinking problem, then neither does Dorinda. And if you talk about Luann having a drinking problem, then you're also talking about the friends that she's surrounding herself with. And when Elise raises and speaks, I think on the audience's behalf and says, right. Are you an AA? We're all pretending that this is normal. You've said that you have a problem drinking. Then why are you drinking? And Dorinda immediately castigates her, gets very aggressive and tries to shut her down by saying you are judging someone when what Elise was doing was just trying to get some clarity. Then I said to myself, "Okay, well, here's some value where even if the women are operating on an 11, maybe a four is needed does that make any sense it, what yeah. are your thoughts it, my thoughts are the problem lies with the producers i would have to imagine that whatever real person for she delivered as a producer i would look i would look i mean i don't do reality so maybe she you know showed up with sparklers and whatever um mm-hmm. i would see her like she seems afraid to speak she seems afraid to interject mm-hmm. she seems just a generally timid person um yeah. at least compared to you know all the bulls and china shops that are on the show i I wouldn't look at her and go oh here's what she brings so there was Mm -hmm. a problem 
I think before she even filmed her first thing. And maybe they threw her on camera saying, let's see what she can do. But even that, I'm like, I feel like you could just pull someone off the subway and they would have done something. They, so she's obviously getting a shitty edit. They're not including her in any real conversation. The only time mm-hmm. that she, I mean, I, I don't remember her getting a confessional before, but the only confessional I think it was, was that moment. So unless right. she has something very specific to add, they're like, we don't even need her. And like the, it shows, I mean, as, I mean, this is sort of related, but you know, certainly Dorinda shutting her up was like the complicated relationship that these women and the show has with drinking. But it's not just Dorinda because you had, uh, first you had Luann going to her ex-boyfriend and him, you know, saying that he is a, a wine merchant, which apparently, okay. And he's also a stand-up comedian, but he's like, oh, as a wine merchant or whatever, like you're not an alcoholic. And so then Luann tells that to the group. Well, Jacques says I'm not an alcoholic. And Ramona's like, oh, he said that. That's so nice. Like, what? Like, like, okay. Like, that's a compliment. Right. And then later- You look so pretty today with your Poland spring. Right. Oh, he said you're not an alcoholic. Oh, that's so, so, so obviously Ramona's weighing in with her feelings about it. And then Sonia's saying, oh, I'm so mad I wasn't there because I love partying with that Lou. So like the drunken Luann. So yes, Dorinda was clearly um, in that moment championing this like, okay, you've had this drink. Now we're done with it. And now we can just do what we want. Like they're all just horrible enablers. Come on. They all want their party and whatever happens with Luann happens with Luann. The one thing And I we've already stopped s- talking about Elise. That's the problem. <laughs> oh, no. Poor, sweet, non-existent Elise. Um the thing with Jacques, so I watched that scene initially and I was like, what the fuck is he doing? And then I watched the episode a second time and was sort of more carefully attuned to what he was saying than I had been mm-hmm. round one. And it appeared to me like he was saying, if you can handle a glass of wine, you can have it. But the focus is on, can you handle it? And so he said to her, like, with all you've been through, I know that you will survive this. But the first time I watched it, I thought he was being flippant about the idea of her consuming wine, knowing, as he said, he was a wine merchant. They did a wine testing early on when they were still dating. Like, they filmed together and wine, et cetera, stuff came up. But when I watched it the second time, I was more respectful, I think, than the first and understanding that what he was saying was like, only you can determine your capacity. If Be careful. If what you're saying is you can have a glass of wine, then enjoy a nice glass of red wine. But that's it. Like, just have your one glass, which if you have an alcohol addiction or, or problem with consumption or whatever else, it's really never just the one glass. If you have to look at a glass of wine and being like, I'm only going to have this glass of wine. I'm not going to have, there's already a problem there. You know, like if you're saying to yourself, I don't know that I have to reinforce in my head that I can only have this much. And I have a a record, like literally and figuratively of having issues when consuming (laughs) alcohol, I would maybe say, this isn't a great idea. I think about that the same way with Leah because she's put her life back together, I would say a huge part of that for her has been being sober. If she's saying, you know, I've look at all I've done with my life, I would say, when did the clock start? Did it start nine years ago when you stopped drinking? I think there's a connection there that you're probably in denial about. But I also have to say at the end of the day, it's Leah's choice. It's Luann's choice. 
I don't think that when Luann took a drink of a sip of vodka, that was the first time she had been off the wagon this round. That was such a stage thing, by the way. It was so staged and so cavalier. And I would hope for someone who's been in legal trouble and has had to suffer the consequences of acting out when drunk, threatening to assault a police officer and relapsing within the court system that you would not make drinking vodka a punchline. And if you respected your own personal decision to drink, I would maybe give my friends a heads up. But that is what Luann decided that she wanted to do. I do not in any way believe that that was her first time drinking lately. But if she wanted to make that choice, then like, best of luck. I'm concerned for her when she keeps saying, I'm drinking. I want to drink again so I can keep up with these ladies. I'm concerned that Leah seems to be saying the same thing as well. Mm-hmm. But that's like ultimately their choice. And even though alcohol has been sort of the narrative running through New York for the last several years, I mean, there is a different perspective on this because Luann is trying to have a new beginning and Leah we don't have enough history with so there's something happening even if it feels like um uh, even if it feels a little bit like we're reading the same chapter again at least some of these characters are different if that makes any sense so like I'm getting something from this that does feel new to me even if some of the stakes are the same but it is absolutely not like peak New York. And I'm not angry triggered about it in the way that I think some people are with like, oh, this is so dark, so whatever. I think that at this point, we're a couple episodes in, we've all embraced that like things are happening, but this season isn't popping. And I understand why that is. And I don't expect that there are going to be any changes. It does make me curious about what production will do for next year. But I think we're all kind of on the same journey with this right where it's like New York isn't they're not like getting an A for excellence right now yeah and I don't I, I think that there it is I think it for them it, it is what it is um and uh for and actually to be clear I don't actually think this particular Luann storyline is been there done that I think the room mm-hmm. situation has been there done that I think there is definitely something very I feel gross saying it but there is something that is compelling about even Mm -hmm. if she's full of shit about it like her whole act was like she uh that two Bellinis at Easter or whatever it made her have to blow into Mm. a tube I'm like uh honey it wasn't two Bellinis like you're like she you're you're sitting there saying how she had this whole big record I'm like did you talk to the wham because I don't think that's her (laughs) that's a reality so but I think this particular storyline is car crashy I think the Leah part of it is car crashy. And I think that this season is going to be a car crash. And I think it's, it's, we're all kind of seat belted in on this ride and we have no choice but to go along with it. And I think it's going to get gross. Um, which is, which is a B for now going like, what's going on? But I think it's going to, it, 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 it will, I think, morph into something a little bit more um, ugh, gross. Yeah. I hear you and I agree with you. And I would just push back a little in the fact that there were some scenes this week where I was like, okay, this is real, or at least this is someone being extremely vulnerable. And I don't think that, for example, if Bethany had been there, 
it would have gone as well. And I'm thinking specifically about, hoy, poor sweet Sonia going to Jersey to talk to that consultant who I assumed had been fired years before, but is somehow hanging on, who's saying to her, we didn't sell a single additional dress from that fashion show. And Sonia talking about the fact that her customers or aspiring customers are a select group when the whole point of this was doing a diffusion line it's super so select. that more people were able to access it. And it's like, sweetie, if your cap is 250 and it's like 250 and below and nobody's buying this and this whole line is happening because it's being sold on your name. Like what is going on? I'll, I'll tell you what's going on. This is my prediction. I love so I've actually deep that once I was on uh, Andy's Girls, once I became an mm. Andy's Girl myself uh, or something, uh, <laughs> I went back and I listened to so many. And part of my favorite thing to do was listen to you. Like you'd be talking about some storyline going, I think this is going to happen or I think this and seeing how either wildly right or wildly wrong you are. And I'd be texting <laughs> you going two years ago, you thought that Erica was going to be this, but instead um so Oy. the point of that is i think actually you know they made a big did you know that century 21 is one of sonia's favorite stores someone told her what century 21 was and yeah. she was like oh wait they're not going to sell my townhouse oh cool there's clothing there god sure. bless i think they lay that in because they want her it feels to me like they're giving this is my prediction a little bit of a yes. bethany story where mm -hmm. oh let's let's show how down and out she is let mm -hmm. i mean i haven't googled century 21 and sonia but my guess is something good is coming around the corner for her uh, wetsuit um, line. <laughs> <laughs> do you think she did that on purpose? No, I think she's no, a dingbat. No, neither do I. How would you send someone an outfit in a torn paper bag with those crazy, <laughs> like, hooker glasses? I mean... Oh, they were trying for style. Sonia probably didn't even know what they were sending. She was probably like, do something that... Maybe in some sort of horror nightmare alternate reality, I might think Jackie O would wear. So like some sort of weird glass walking through Central Park, but like in a neutral color palette, weird situation where she's like, oh, she's downtown. She'll be able to rock this. And it's like, no, I just don't think this is wearable. Here's here's another prediction. Regardless totally of your neighborhood. Say again. <laughs> So I said, regardless of your neighborhood, oh, I don't think that. Uh, my my would other work prediction out. is that um, with Bethany gone, mm -hmm. um, all of the women I think in their mind are going, especially these women, are going like, "Ooh, am I going to be the queen bee now?" Luann, mm -hmm. I'm sure, is working whatever she needs to work. Ramona, I'm sure, is working whatever angle she needs. They all want to be like that 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 bitch. Mm -hmm. I actually think that Sonia by not being calculating in any way that she's just like a bottle rocket that just goes wherever the fuck ever is mm -hmm. coming off as the most fresh and authentic of all of them. And I think by not strategizing, I feel like Sonia is, you know, will she ever be like the grounded middle? No, she'll never have that role. But I think that she's the one who's benefiting the most from Bethany being gone. Wow. I hadn't actually thought about that. That's really interesting. I don't think you're wrong which is a compliment. I don't think you're wrong. That is my new you're right is like, oh, wow. That's a <laughs> I'm um, going to I'm going to soak in this moment like the weird <laughs> lukewarm bubble bath. It was 
Well, I mean, take a cold shower because I do want to pivot a little bit to if we're going to talk about head bitch in charge and the changing relationships that these women seem to be making, we have to talk about Beverly Hills, which I've got to say, my fucking God, X, X, every episode is better than the one before and I look forward to the next episode in a way that I didn't think possible and if we want to talk about how Orange County your um, most favorite franchise as you said for 10 minutes at the beginning of this um, if we're going to talk about how Orange County had a turnaround this most recent season I mean which Beverly Hills is kind of putting it to shame um I'll I'll skate past the Orange County verdict because I disagree with that to say you might want to take a cold shower now because I will agree with you. I never thought I would say I'm entertained and excited by mm. Beverly Hills. And you're hearing me now admit I'm entertained and excited about Beverly Hills. <laughs> and you sound it. Wow, the joy I'm, 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 from your vocal cords. I, I'm, I don't like being wrong. And when, again, I don't know, mm, you had mm-hmm. a guest on another, somehow she was a female co-host. Somehow that managed to happen. And, and she was... <laughs> Um, but she was saying that she had seen the first episodes of New York and Beverly Hills and she gagged you and myself by saying Beverly Hills was the one she was more excited by. I think she was the one who had been inside, um, uh, oh, I always get Jackie and the other one, Jennifer, Jennifer's house. She had like, interviewed Oh, her. Tracy Morrissey. I feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. She was yeah, the it one was. who, I, I could be wrong. Yep. She said it and I was like, you're a hundred, you have, without actually seeing either of them, I know you're a hundred percent wrong. I guarantee that you are incorrect. And I was wrong. She she's, was right. Tracy she's Morrissey. laughing like a demon and uh, deservedly so. It, it, well, except I don't think that, that, I don't think she was saying New York was a snooze, but she was saying Beverly Hills was the one to look forward to. And I, I see why. Like there's, there is finally, they were all so eager to just kind of like cover each other's asses with uh, LVP. And now that she's gone, now they are like, okay, we don't have to do that anymore. And now you're seeing like the Kyle stuff and the Dorit stuff and the Denise. Like now they're actually waking up and having conflict. And I also wonder how much of how they're behaving on camera is related to feeling more comfortable with LVP being gone, um, feeling like they can breathe a little bit more, um, and how much of it is, and feeling like they can have like higher stakes and they sort of trust each other even when they're fighting, and how much is of it is potentially them jockeying for the center diamond. And I say that because I got a lot of responses from folks about Kyle V. Dorit, Kyle V. Denise, um, all of this stuff who were very open in saying this is all happening um, because it is in some way relating to production and the underlying thread that's connecting a lot of this um, energy is related to the fact that Kyle thinks with LVP gone, she's the center diamond and respect kind of needs to be paid. And I have to say that while I understand up part of that I don't actually think that that is the active problem here like I don't think that's really the disconnect I'm sure in some ways with Kyle V. Dorit 
she's thinking maybe like, well, I had to show up X hours already and I had to be here to film at this thing and you get to roll in whatever, looking like a goddess, having done a photo shoot not related to the show, but related to your IG. Like, how fucking dare you? And I hear that. Like, I think there might be a small part of that, but I think it's a lot larger and deeper than the artificiality of filming this TV show. Like, I do think that there are actual relationships that are being um, called into play and called into question. And I think some of those questions are, like, on the basis incorrect. And I'll say that I think Kyle is offended on Teddy's behalf in a way that she has absolutely no responsibility to feel she shouldn't she's taking on Teddy as an extension of herself kind of in a way that family members do where when Kyle was upset at like what Rinna was saying about Kim it wasn't necessarily just to defend her sister it was kind of also to defend like her name Mm -hmm. like maybe a little bit of the the Richard's name and I would understand that being kind of confirmed with the way that she felt dragged down by Kim when Kim was going through her like endless, um, I don't know, tragedies or whatever. Um, but, (laughs) but I think that there's a lot more that's going on that's related to like the relationships that these women have where it works out for us and it works for production, but it's not entirely about production. And, you know, you listen to AG. Thanks so much. Um, but you know that I watched the episodes first for myself and then the second time for the show. And I've seen this week's episode three times, which I haven't done done in a while. And I don't know that that's going to be the last time I watch this episode, even this week. And <laughs> I, I really felt like they're not, none of these people are speaking the same language, but like deservedly. So like, Kyle is questioning Dorit showing up late because she thinks it's disrespectful to Teddy, a.k.a. yourself. But why is Teddy deserving of that respect? And shout out to the editors for, like, showing that moment from the reunion when Dorit holds her to task for trying to manipulate the show to bury her character. Like, we're all pretending that the stakes for these relationships should be the same but they're not. That's why the show is good because it's not as it was last season where everybody was close and everybody seemed to have an alliance and they were all pitted against Lisa. Like Kyle and Teddy have a different relationship and trust and intimacy than Dorit and Teddy probably ever will. Same goes on a different level with Sutton and Teddy. So if Dorit decides to show up to support her friend slash cast member and is doing it halfway through the day is shot regardless of whether she was doing it to get glam versus picking up her kids and pretending to be a full-time mom. Why is that strange? Like Kyle is pretending that that's disrespectful to Teddy when in actual fact, just saying that you're showing up to something you wouldn't ordinarily attend to be supportive is like a great, indicator of a friendship that was on very shaky ground well so i i'm with you i saw the the, i saw your ig story and people were saying it was about lvp 
I think Kyle is clearly like, she's been on from the beginning. I don't think she has any real estate she needs to protect. She's clearly going to be in the center and will always be in the center. I don't think it's about her having to find some space to take up. The best kind of fights are the ones where they're each convinced that they're right, coming from a different point of view, and mm-hmm. it opens up a Pandora's box of the shit that they are actually really feeling. And the thing exactly. about Kyle, I like her when she's nice. I like her when she's mean. I like her in general. I'm down with it. It's great. Um, she is the kind of personality I think that doesn't want to be seen as mean, even mm-hmm. in, though she can be. And I think that when typically, I don't know if this is always because I haven't really like studied her scenes and her whatever, but whenever she's quote unquote sticking up for someone else or doing something on someone else's behalf, that's when she allows the claws to come out the most. So she clearly has all of these thoughts and feelings about Dorit, but because it's about quote unquote Teddy, well, now she can come out, you know, I saw on your Instagram and that you're doing all these poses and blah, 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 blah. It always bothers you, but because of you're coming, you're, you're able to say these things to Dorit because it's under the umbrella of I'm doing it for Teddy in the same way that she was doing it for, uh, you know, what's the fucking puppy gate with I'm, I'm coming at Lisa, but it's for Dorit and I'm doing like, she's only going to, she doesn't want to just bully someone out of the blue. It has to, for her, be about somebody else so that she's, it's like, it allows her to let out some of those things that she might not otherwise let out. And I think, I think her coming at Dorit and even the stuff she was saying about Ragamuffin um, were all things that she was, you know, thinking and feeling. Um, but it just gave her the opportunity to, because she was defending someone else. Well, now I can say how I really feel. You have people like that in your life, don't you? Where they're just like, I, this isn't, I'm not saying you're a dumb cunt, but you came at someone and now I'm going to shred you for being a dumb cunt for them, just for them. Yeah, I think that's, I think she, it's like a passive aggressive savior complex where she thinks I'm stepping, I'm stepping up for and protecting Teddy, but I also have reasons on my own where I want to express my anger, but for whatever reason, maybe it's related to how she grew up. Maybe it's related to being an enabler and whatever else because of her childhood and big Kathy and now little Kathy and whatever else that she feels like I need to defend this person and protect them. But maybe I'm also going to use them as a little bit of a weapon. Like I don't feel for whatever reason that I feel comfortable or safe in telling you when I have an opinion about something that you're doing. But if that affects someone that I love, who I'm close to, who I feel like may or may not be an extension of me, then, you know, guns blazing. Yeah. I think that there's absolutely validity to that. And I also thought, you know, Dorit is right in this. She didn't do the wrong thing for saying I'm going to come like to support or I'm coming just to support or I'm coming whatever the fuck she said. The intention was there. They're not being on the up and up by questioning the semantics when they understand the feeling. So there's that. But it's also not helpful that Dorit doesn't just say, I'm here. I'm halfway through the day. Just be fucking happy. Like, just be... It's that whole thing, the Caroline Manzo of it all. Like, I'll take a second with my family. Like, just be happy that I'm here halfway through the day. This is outside my comfort zone. This is not my thing. Like, I'm going all in and supporting you for three hours. And the fact that I'm not here for nine doesn't make me 
a bad friend at the level of friendship that we have, but it would have been a lot more helpful for Dorit to say, I was doing my own shit. I'm here. Let's get a massage and call it a day. As opposed to what she did with like, I have my own life. I'm a mother, which was accurate, (laughs) but like slightly disingenuous because what you were doing was a couple hours of glam or whatever because you're shooting the show and want to pretend that you are have the full-time ability and financial support to pat the puss like you are putting on your Dorit Jane attire to maybe meet or exceed these women who've been there all day which you know and you're showing up halfway through looking amazing and she has the right to do that but like let's be a little honest about it I think Kyle wasn't 100% honest in the actions that she was doing to pursue sort of a fight or like holding Dorit to account. And Dorit wasn't being 100% on the up and up for not shutting her down and being like, yeah, I was doing glam. I was doing a photo and there's nothing wrong with that. I think the biggest, even sort of just to bird's eye it a little higher. Please. Is who the fuck? want to go to it to begin with the person who i actually respect the most is uh garcelle who was like oh i don't have to go great like it was immediate she was like i know yeah she gave three hours of nine but three hours of something like that like that's like go like how many times you gone to see like oh we're doing a reading of my play can you come and sit here and i'm like oh like no one wants to go to like now we're gonna do like some breathing exercises and enjoy this like empanada we're about to do I'm like oh my god I can't and if Kyle really wanted to go all in they would have been doing the fucking sunset meditation like (laughs) they would have actually been participating and not sitting at the bar eating chips salsa and guac that had been like rushed over to them as the bartender (laughs) said he's like this is the quickest thing I can get you guys need carbs you need to like eat your way out of this day Erica Jane herself said like none of us want to be here they are doing it to support Teddy that is enough Dorit has the right to say this isn't my thing there's nothing wrong with that that surprise Dorit is self-centered and like vain and would love to lean back against a window pane for hours and hours and that time goes by like nothing like that's just so should we all if I'm doing it right now you can't see but I'm giving the arch back (laughs) yes downward dog it up I mean I think if I have the choice between the two things, I actually personally at this point in my life would die for an hour long sunset meditation. And I think that that instructor, <laughs> fine, 90 minutes, I'm here for it. There's nothing I love more than a sound uh, sound bath. So like a sunset meditation situation is like, yes, God bless. But I also think if I have glam available and I want to take some sassy photos and I'm going to do that and do my shit and then show up. She probably timed it, of course, purposefully on the same day. So she has her glam in which to show up. And if you're paying or whatevering, writing a check, regardless of whether or not it bounces, if you are having this kind of beauty done, of course, you're going to take a photo of it. Like, this is the land of Beverly Hills. And don't you love how it's such a like a microcosm of so when you invite a friend somewhere or you you think a friend could do something and then you see it on their social media and you're like, oh, they went to the park instead. Oh, hmm. But like on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, it's three hours of glam squad. You're seeing it on, on Instagram while we're in the middle of filming. It's like we all have that. I mean, I don't want to say we all, but I've definitely had that moment where some like where I've seen somebody somewhere and been like, wait, bitch, what? It just I wasn't being filmed by a bunch of cameras. So but it's oh, very that. Uh- 
a hundred percent. And also I heard from some AGs who were like, you know, this is so stupid that they're talking about whether or not Dorit's late and like, look at what's happening on X or Y franchise. And I have to keep saying to myself, like, just like we are scaling these friendships when we're talking about this argument and how not all of these things are created equal, the same can be said for these franchises. Beverly Hills is never going to have the type and level of conflict that New York or really like New Jersey is going to have. And they're not necessarily going to have the kind of personality flavor that Potomac has. Thank God they're not like Dallas. It's they're all of these franchises cannot be treated equally and nor can each person's relationship be judged based on another like you have to the stakes have to be scaled so for Beverly Hills this is the kind of passive passive aggressive to possibly aggressive aggressive behavior that I love this is the mana from heaven in California where I am watching these women be shady to each other and be really upset and then Kyle like exceeding that point where she's no longer passive aggressively joking about it with Dorit she's actually like shouting at Denise about it or whatever else or calling someone a ragamuffin, which was a real throwback. I had to Google it. Still don't entirely understand it, but I am bringing it to brunch because I really think that like, this is exactly right. Like this is the kind of Beverly Hills that we like where they go to a tea party, they shoot the shit with LVP there. Maybe she tries to bury someone or somebody else. And it comes out later on. Like this is quality conflict for Beverly Hills. I see that there are stakes here. Kyle is obviously triggered. So are some of these other women. We see the trailer for next week. Denise does not like being interrupted and brought down and she's now here to play. And it, it, it's like more than satiating me. It feels like a reward. Um, yes, I think, uh, I think the reason why I'm enjoying Beverly Hills like you said, they're different relationships, but I think now because some of these women have been on for a few seasons, they are mm-hmm. starting to get like Dorit. I feel like has has uh, Dorit for me is like Corona. Like I don't know if she's been <laughs> if she's but if she's been on for a week or has she been on for seventeen years? Like I I have no sense of time when it comes to Dorit because I find her so tedious. And I don't know if she's brand new or if she started with the show. When did she show up and when is she leaving? But so because she's, if you told me she's been on for 17 seasons, I would go, great. I feel like she's at least been around long enough. Similar Teddy, similar Erica, similar, that there is at least now some time that whatever pissy problems they're having with each other is at least starting to be based on an actual relationship. Sort of. It's never going to be New York. It's never going to be Jersey, but it's at least not like, not like Leah on New York, who's telling Dorinda when they're talking about Tinsley, when Leah, who's supposedly a friend of Tinsley, oh, you've known her a lot longer than I have, Dorinda. It's like, we know that you've just fallen off the truck on the show. We get it. So at least on Beverly Hills now, the women have been around for at least a few seasons or 1700 for Dorit. I mean, with Dorit, I feel like I enjoy her in a way that I hadn't since, aside from parts of Doggate last year that I haven't in a while. I don't know if I ever have. I don't know if I've empathized with Dorit before, aside from that moment and aside from when she held Teddy to task on the reunion, which I thought was entirely right and extremely appropriate. Like she is showing a side. I love the fact that she's standing up for herself. I just think it's really great. And judging by how Garcelle and Kyle are talking around each other, um, which I don't entirely understand. And the way that Dorit and Kyle are talking about each other on social media, which I don't entirely believe. Uh, 
I think it's opening up a side of Dorit as like a person, which we haven't necessarily seen before. And I love it. And I don't think it would have happened if we're going to talk about, I, and I've said this on AG before, like it wouldn't have happened if Lisa was here because Lisa would have sucked up all of the air in the room. So if we want to send a show of thanks to somebody for this season of Beverly Hills, we got, we have to kind of send it to fucking Villa Blanca because by Lisa leaving, I think she thought she was going to do harm to a franchise because her value was too great. But in fact, it's enabled these women to trust and fight with each other in a way that they couldn't have because they would have been too busy looking at Lisa as someone who was going to try to manipulate production to bury them. So with like that obstacle out of the way, they can dive head first or go straight forward into the obstacles that they should have been facing ordinarily yeah you know like i think bethany fucked us and production by not showing up and quitting in the manner that she did lvp thought she was fucking production and these women by quitting and while she did sacrifice the second half of last season which was a mess Mm -hmm. unbeknownst to all of us she sort of opened a door to this motherfucking like heavenly existence that we're now looking at not to say that this is the best season of beverly hills but it's way fucking better than i thought it was going to be and there are so many different directions that are so unrelated to denise spooning brandy glanville that i'm like oh my god like the whole issue with Denise may not entirely have to do with Brandy. Brandy might just be the final straw. Denise just might come to a point where she's sick and tired of dealing with these women and maybe specifically dealing with Kyle. There's a lot going on that I feel like I could talk about forever and I never thought or at least didn't think that this season that this is what it would become. Uh, I think you're absolutely right about it not being about the Brandy-Denise thing. From everything that I have read comments that they've made uh i want to say erica said something where it was like you have to watch this is that's not it so and actually i haven't seen i haven't seen two different housewives in one housewife before be so entertaining i know people really love camille going from evil to saint camille or whatever Mm. i she's another one that's on my shit list but denise she's a totally different i feel like character this season and i like them both so I'm like, oh, like I like the two Denise's that she's on Beverly Hills more than I like any role she's ever played. I'm like, I be- <laughs> like these two I'm down with. You've got the I don't like to wear makeup and these these gals. And then this year, it's like people are following us. They're in the windows. They're, they're the FBI. Like, so she's kind of I'm enjoying her. Um, um, what do you think about the diamonds at the cook off pizza situation? Etc. What are you? Th- what was the? What was the use of an ice diamond? Was that to to like cheekily reference the fact that they're holding diamonds? That this is like a produ- produce show, or was that genuinely to try to add some glitter uh, to keep up? Oh, I think she thinks oh, I'm on this show and this is our thing and giggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. Do, what, do you think there was something nefarious? I think there was something no, in the ice. There's anything. I don't think that there was anything nefarious. I thought it was surprising that she was oh, for her. sort of clumsily trying to like make this thing chic when that really isn't Denise. Like Denise getting her glam done, which I was like, you so don't need this. And then putting on 
that I'm sure wonderful and luxe sweater. I'm like, what what's happening here? Like you're getting your hair and makeup done. You're throwing on like a fuzzy sweater. So you're Isn't halfway that- there. You're like trying with glam, but you're trying to dress up, but that's not actually really you. Like, why are we doing this? But also I'm appreciative of it because I think it's a bad choice and you're making one. Isn't ice sculpture glamorous? I mean, I don't go, oh, look at that diamond. I get our, our Brangelina here somewhere. Like I. I think it, it feels very manufactured. It feels like when um, Kyle has that party planner. Um, what's that guy who always does the white party? And she has him over and he's always talking about like some circus, circus level spectacle. Like the white party, I don't think to me is is chic, but I think Kyle can be. With the Denise stuff, I'm like, this would have looked perfectly fine. It felt like extra f- because she thought it would be fancy She's, or she thought it would yeah. or she was being passive aggressive to these women and being like, I'll show you glam. I Put this yeah. diamond up your ass. Like it's just <laughs> I didn't get you know, like aggressive. it was a little icy. I it felt a little icy to me. It did I don't think it was successful. But I, yeah, God bless. I didn't I didn't get that from that. What I did enjoy from her was it just she's there's something about her that is inherently off. And clearly there has to be because of who she was married to and birds of a feather. But mm. but we don't see that part of the edit. But when she's like leaning into everyone saying, you know, can we just wait for these kids to get the fuck out of here before we continue this mm-hmm. conversation? I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Like, what? Like, she's such like a mix of like, she's talking about happy endings and all this stuff on the show, but she doesn't want her kids to hear it like in person. Like, it's just it's she's so confusing that I am into it. I actually got that where I'm like in the moment you have it's probably hard enough sometimes for her to like get some play dates together like you have these you have your kids there and other people's kids there it is up to their parents whether or not they allow their obviously they allowed them to be on camera but it's up to them whether they allow their kids to watch these episodes and you have women yelling about threesomes and sex and whatever and Denise doesn't want that to happen at an event that she thought was going to be a nice upscale family gathering so I get what she was like shut the fuck up I thought it was really interesting that Kyle who I think was already spinning out was like what why like why do I have to stop talking this is stupid like none of these women seem to be respecting Denise as the host of the event and also like a caregiver and the person who was ultimately responsible for all those tweens being there hearing about um, Erica Jane getting laid. Like maybe that wasn't Denise's comfort level. Maybe she's comfortable talking about her own sexuality, but not in other people talking about their sexual experiences in front of her minor children. And she has the right to be upset. I was actually curious as the fact that none of those women cared. Like not a single like Kyle was like, well, whisper and then was using her, you know, <laughs> child star outdoor voice like it was she was doing her little stage wh- whisper like it was interesting to me that none of them cared. And I kind of loved it. I, they're all on a reality show. Listen, we could have a whole conversation about and I don't know if you'll want to. We don't have to. But I definitely have <laughs> something to say about that whole Rinna scene with her daughter. But it's like, oh, tell me. Well, wait, say what you're saying. And well, then tell just me. that they're on a reality show. And I feel like the that comes first. So whatever person is going to kind of agree to be on a reality show, that is the primary, like where you're at. So you're going to be on camera. You're going to be putting everything out there. What children here behind you is probably like secondary. Like the scene with Lisa and uh, Rena and her daughter, I thought was so cringy. I, I don't. I know some people love Rena. You and I have talked about she's not my fave with the pointing, dancing, and all the stuff that whatever. But the amount that she puts her daughter, and her daughter I feel like is old enough and wants attention enough as well to be able to put that stuff on 
TV and maybe it's under the auspices of, of, of you know, truth to power. Using it as a and, platform. And, yeah. yeah. But it's like, at one point, Rinna was like talking about like, you know, mm-hmm. would she mm-hmm. commit suicide yeah. in New York? Mm-hmm. And I thought, where is your, what what won't you talk about on TV with your daughter? Like, I feel like that would be a real rough thing. Like how much is, and then the paparazzi is there and she's like, oh, like, oh, I'm, you know, aren't I just incorrigible? And then meanwhile, I mean, I don't want to, but the, what's her daughter's name? I keep calling her the daughter. That's not right. Amelia, Amelia Gray. Was that the one? Like, she's like, oh, I wish I had my sunglasses. Like, let me tell you there, as someone who lives in LA, there is nothing more posery than complaining, wishing you had sunglasses when the paparazzi is around. When you're filming a television show, when there are Cardi cameras on you. Well, I think she was doing that. First off, the shot of the paparazzi was 100% a tourist taking a photo of Rodeo Drive. That was not a paparazzi. And uh, if it was, my God, he's, I, I don't know, not quite up to form. But um, she was playing to camera with that. I didn't take her literally. She was enjoying it. She was like doing her preening You're show puppy stuff. Rina. Lisa, yeah. I yeah. thought she was She was like yeah, doing no, she her little was. sassy thing. The daughter was the one. The do- I, you've even told me her name and I've forgotten her. The one She was the one that was like, oh, I wish I had my glasses. Lisa Rinna was pointing. There's paparazzi over there. And there's paparazzi over there waving and flailing. And I the just daughter. Can't. Yeah, the the moment where she was talking about, like, how bad could this get for her kid, I thought a little bit about the moment when she's, like, Kim Richards might die stuff, where I'm thinking, like, maybe don't say that part with the camera crew, because I'm thinking about that other person that you're talking about, and if they are on some sort of mental health journey regardless of whether or not that was something that they were thinking about, I wouldn't necessarily add that into the equation in front of a camera crew that would maybe be something that I would keep private. I remain slightly mystified that she is able to talk about her kids and her kids themselves. Maybe, you know, she wanted to, um, uh, you know, maybe her daughter wanted to use this as a platform to talk about her journey and she has every right to, and I commend her for it, but I am more concerned about the fact that like, Putting that aside, Rinna is using her kids' vulnerability as a way to get around revealing her own. And while being a parent and dealing with kids who are struggling is important, and I'm sure that's her first priority, like, where's Harry Hamlin? Like, where's other stuff that we're talking about? Like, even if it's going to lunch with your agent, like, why are we putting all of the focus on your kids' struggles? Because I don't think that's fair to them. I think if you want to talk about it, you can talk about it and you can do it safely and you can do it responsibly. And I'm sure unlike the stuff with Denise at the pizza party, I'm sure they had a conversation about what they were and were not going to talk about, at least when they were filming together before the cameras were up. But for Rinna, I'm like, you're showing this aspect of what your kid's going through and how you're dealing with it as a parent. Fine. But where is everything else? Because it can't only be shit stirring with like Teddy and this other stuff, because we already have that with like Erica Jane. We can't have a ton of those people like Kyle shows her personal stuff. Right. Dorit is sort of showing the stuff that we want to see. Teddy, I don't really know here nor there. Um, if we saw Sutton's kids, we would get that too. Garcelle is a perfect angel from above and I bow down to her and her impeccably behaved children, um, and loved seeing that side of her as a mother, as we get to know her. Um, there are women who are showing 
parts of themselves. And I think that Rinna's probably actually, aside from Erica Jane, the least accountable with that. So that's more a problem to me. Here's my question for you, though. Mm -hmm. Has she shown us all there is? Because she is... Of course not. Well, I wonder because she has been a mainstay in pop culture for at whatever level you want to say, at whatever, you know, she always keeps herself sort of around and about, even if it's in the periphery. On this mm-hmm. show, she, you know, we've, not that on this show, but we've seen that she wears the, the incontinence pants. We've seen that she um, will, I'm wondering, is she feeling, I mean, this is me saying something really horrible about her. So I'll pretend she's a character, not a real life person. Um, is she using what she feels like might be a hot button conversation topic? Because what else is going on with her? It has, have think, we seen, um, yeah, have we, what, have, no, have I, she blown her wad by being no, so No, I don't think she has. I think that being married to someone who's also a TV performer who's seen on a different level than her work is a is something that we haven't seen before. I think this has something to do with the fact that for whatever reason, Harry Hamlin is allowed not to participate and this is maybe not his thing. And I remember there was some article that it was either about her or about him where it was discussed that he got away with like not having to sign when she signed on some sort of release. So he is able to say when or when he wants to film and when he doesn't. And I might be getting that entirely wrong, but there is some validity to that, which is why we don't see him as often. And I feel like maybe she feels like because for whatever reason, she's unable to show that side of her marriage, she's showing, you know, the stories circling around her kids. And I think she's getting a little Yolanda with it. And I think the scene for next week, it's fun where she's like putting on her own little photo shoot at something that looks like her kid's job. And like, I love when she's dancing on tables, even if it's like, something that she does day to day just like I love when she puts Gary in exclamation points um on Gary Janetti's Instagram when he posts something about Prince George like it's the tradition of it all like the fiddler on the roof of it all is Lisa Rinna dancing on a table since she got the response she did at Andy's baby shower and writing something on Instagram and doing that like that is all fine to me I just want to know where everything else is and I do think that there's a there there so is it if it's a question of like is there a there 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 absolutely is we just haven't tapped into it at least not lately I I hope you're right and I hope that the there there is compelling because all the things that you've talked about enjoying of hers I don't um and so (laughs) I'm hoping that if she does come to the table with you know she's certainly had a heap of iconic moments the single tear going down her face with the bunny moment and you know, like you mentioned, the Kim moment. And I, there's, there's, she's been a part of things, but I, I just, for some reason, I'm just so exhausted. Um, I can't, it's like when someone is, is begging you to like, like them and, and pay attention to them so much at a certain point, it's like a child that just is screaming and throwing a tantrum. And I'm like, I don't have, I don't have this much energy to give to you. I'm sorry. Um, um, Wow. Yeah. I mean, well, like, like, I mean, like Garcelle, I think does a lot more with a lot less. I'm, I'm really interested in Garcelle, you know, even before they had an African-American join the cast, you and I talked about how, um, how, A, how much it's needed and B, who could that be and who would fit in and what have you. And I, I do feel like I sort of, I didn't specifically say Garcelle, but I feel like I kind of, um, what was was on target in terms of the type of person that they would need. And I think that 
she has <clears throat> she has a very tricky, tough kind of job ahead of her in joining that show because it is such a white show. Um, and I think that she does such a good job of not um, pretending to be someone that she's not. I think she does a good job of acknowledging that she is, you know, on, an, on a very white show, like she doesn't shy away from. And so I really am interested to see what she does um, and how she does it, because I think there's a lot more there's a lot more in real life safety for me for that than there is for Lisa Rinna jumping on a table and saying Gary on a post. Like I, I, I'm more interested in what Garcelle is going to. Well, I think Garcelle is a real person who has genuine stability in in her life and is such a different personality type than Rinna. And also like white's going to white. So (laughs) let's not pretend as two white people, you know, I, I know you're not saying this, but like the burden of providing a diverse voice on Beverly Hills is not Garcelle's that's productions. So when Garcelle walks into the picture, she's, she is bringing with her history as the first full-time black woman on Beverly Hills. And there is unfortunately the reality of responsibility on her for that. And it's ultimately um, that carries with it a lot of, Wait, And I think that for production and for the network in general, it's important to have as much diversity as possible, not only on who is cast as a housewife, but also behind the scenes who are the people in charge of making these casting decisions and producing the show, because I think we're at a point in our lives and in our journeys watching Housewives where you know, diversity of opinion is not enough that we want to see um, real groups of friends who are interacting and bringing with them different experiences. And um, and for Garcelle, I think it's like a huge step forward. And obviously, um, she seems like such a perfect fit for the show as a woman and as a black woman. And you know, the intersectionality of it obviously is key here. Um, And I'm so happy that she has been such a bright light for Beverly Hills. And I'm curious to see with her growth in the show and like her trusting in the process, what will happen when she's in some conflict. I mean, she's having a really, really great first season. I'm curious to see like when we really see more layers because no one is as good or bad as you think they are and will become. And so I wonder what, you know, additional parts of her will be able to, you know, explore what she'll reveal. Well, I think that's why I really like when she went on Watch What Happens Live, the after show, and every yes. negative answer she had to say was Kyle. I was like, OK, that's interesting. I'm, I'm down for that because whatever happens on the show, I like that she has that to say about like the number one on the call sheet. Like, I thought that was pretty, 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 I mean, they're talking about characters who have zero fucks. I mean, it seems like Garcelle is really the one who seems unbothered. Yes. And I want to end this week by talking about a couple fucks that I give, which I'm directing to my friends at Bravo HQ and the production company specifically overseeing Orange County. And 
fuck it. Let's add a couple more fucks and throw Andy Cohen into the mix. I think it is unbelievably irresponsible that at the point that we are in as a country with people dying every day and misinformation used to politicize a virus that is a global pandemic, it is unconscionable for the network production company, whoever else is in charge of making decisions and coordinating with this with these people to allow a Kelly Dodd to go on Instagram stories every day and talk about the fact that social distancing doesn't work because the guy I fuck is saying it on Fox so everybody go outside and run around and be have these women film four housewives on their iPhones at Shannon Bedore's house wearing fun little masks and then pose together with their arms around each other while Shannon is wearing a mask on her face that says six feet. It is not just a phrase there for kicks and this shouldn't be used as an excuse to look adorable. You physically should not be crouched around each other in a photo that was taken in real time and not respect the severity of what is happening around the world and be so irresponsible with your platform. And I know that people loved Bronwyn. She's had a great first season. Motherfucking Bronwyn, who I would say this to except, spoiler alert, she's blocked me. Motherfucking <laughs> Bronwyn thanking Kelly Dodd on social yesterday the day before for providing her backyard pool for one of her 18 um, kids and husband to frolic and play in. Kelly Dodd, who is taking cross-country flights back and forth to fuck Rick and fly home and saying it's essential because I love him. Like, this is ridiculous. And if they were on any other network, the network would understand that, listen, they have a financial responsibility and interest in making sure people continue to watch and that their sponsors and advertisers aren't pissed off by this. To say to these women, cut this out. Like if you are posing together and behaving in a way that's not abiding by CDC at the very least guidelines and what our governor is saying, if you are not abiding by that and you're doing it while shooting the show, that is irresponsible and we should be held accountable for what happens. If you are using your platform of Instagram stories to tell people that this is all a ruse and a part of some kind of like master plan, someone should be calling you and saying to shut the fuck up. If you are able to call Brandy motherfucking Glanville and tell her to stop tweeting about Beverly Hills because she's saying too much and is putting her role at risk. Why don't the health and safety of your viewers, let alone your cast members, come to that level? Like, why isn't this happening? I'm tired of like unspooling or whatever spinning out on social media when I'm seeing specifically the cast of Orange County behave so irresponsibly every single one of them Shannon Bedore saying uh guys I I saw that like my post got a lot of people upset just so you guys know I have a really serious lung issue which we remember from Glamis June's P.S. If you have that serious of a lung issue, you should not be standing like negative three inches from your cast members and you shouldn't have friends over to do a dating game that you show on Instagram live. Like it's everybody in that cast. They're all horrible people. And 
I have never missed watching a single episode. I'm like very emotional about this, as you can see. I have never missed watching a single episode of any franchise of any show in history. But like, don't make me feel like I'm going to tap out of Orange County because I could not be a bigger Bravoholic. I was using that phrase longer than um, a lot of other people. I really... It's it makes me sick to my stomach to think that I my eyes and like logging onto bravotv.com when OC eventually airs with whomever's left. It makes me sick to my stomach to think that I would be supporting and celebrating these women and these shows if they continue to behave in a way that is like actually physically dangerous. This isn't somebody calling somebody a cunt. This isn't somebody saying you're a slut. You cheated on your husband. You're fat, whatever else. This is this is like life or death. This is a life or death series of decisions that these women are making on behalf of the show and also themselves. And I'm out like I'm out. I need to unfollow Kelly Dodd. I don't know why I haven't. I'm so angry. I love Shannon Bador. You know, I do. I It's almost a comical love at this point. But Dr. Moon would tell her to stay in her bedroom. So why isn't she like I'm just done it's I'm done and I'm angry that nobody that's in a position of power including a man who just survived coronavirus is calling these women and telling them to stop and I don't believe it's because it's a reality show and not a scripted drama I don't know why it is but regardless it needs to happen like I'm done I I can only co-sign what you just said I think you said it beautifully I saw it I was horrified and uh I just want to say that I completely agree with you. I think you, <clears throat> I think about the the people who they have in their lives. I mean, we've all seen how the virus works and you need one person over here. They, we've seen some of their parents. We've seen some of their, they're clearly not staying away from anybody, but that's bad enough thinking about all the different people that they're in their own lives, but people follow them. People go, oh, mm-hmm. well, they must know things that I, mm-hmm. okay, great. If they can do it, so can I. It is it is next level indefensible, clearly, because you do love Shannon and it's, 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 you, you just, you can't, it's, it's, it's awful. It really is super awful. And, and to not have Bravo yank it, I just, I don't understand that at all. I don't understand that I, at all. I think it is so dangerous. And I'm not talking about Bravo saying, Kelly, you can't get on a plane to fuck your husband. P.S. Kelly, you're not wanted here. I live in the global epicenter. I feel like my life is in jeopardy every day. You're not, we don't want you here. If I'm going to get it, I don't want to get it from a cast member of the Real Housewives of Orange County who doesn't need to be on a flight, who's putting other people's lives in jeopardy and is not, P.S., wearing a mask. Anyway. Because even if, um, you, even if you feel, I don't want to belabor it, but even if you feel I'm okay, for you to put that message in front of other people so that they will feel like they're okay and then they can make those same like decisions, I just think is so um, it's, it's beyond thoughtless. It's beyond negligent. It's like, it's, I can't even find the word for it. It's, it's, it's heinous. And also P.S. This shows that like, they're all trash. Like I really thought Bronwyn had a great first season. She is garbage by doing this. Emily Simpson, garbage by doing this. Shannon is behaving like trash right now. And you need to apologize and say, I made a mistake. I fucked up. I understand with the six feet thing. It's like the mask is not an accessory. I've been outside two times since mid-March because I got to a point with my doctors where I'm having 
physical symptoms that have exacerbated because I'm not able to move. So I'm doing very, very conservative. I've done two walks, which you know, because we talk about this in real time, but I've done two walks outside. I'm hoping to do one today where I'm like 30,000 feet from anybody else walking around people without wearing masks, BS, um, zigzagging across the street because I'm so terrified of what is going to happen to my already shaky, like nervous system, already defunct if this happens. And I'm watching these women who have huge platforms make a mockery of something that is killing hundreds of thousands of people. And it's disgusting and deliberate. And it's not funny to me. And if it comes down to literally nothing happening, like who even knows what the world will be in and when these women are going to be able to film again. But I'm saying right now, I, I really hate the behavior that they're exhibiting. It is dangerous. It rises to a level above whether or not I support a show. And it's hard for me not to pass judgment on the network for not jumping in. Like, why is the network exhibiting social distancing that these women are not? Like, the network seems to be well more than six feet away from this. These women are big and little spooning each other while pretending to talk about some bullshit that's shot on an iPhone. Like, pretend that your job is on the line if you don't care enough about my life. Like, maybe then you'll get it. There's there's a level of smiling and, like you said, it's deliberate and they think it's funny to kind of, I mean, I have my own issues with Kelly Dodd. The last time I was on, I was just saying everything I possibly could negative about her. And I was like, wait, did she like hurt someone in my family? But there, mm-hmm. there is there is a delight, a cruel delight that it seems like she specifically has in doing this that mm-hmm. I think you wish it was just her. And to see them all together is just demoralizing. Listen, I hope Kelly enjoys um, talking about fucking Rick without a mask or whatever on social media, because my guess is that regardless of whether or not Bravo tells her, she's probably not going to get a wedding special. I wish her the best. She got engaged after three months. I've met her IRL. She's lovely. Doesn't matter. Like she might be killing people by how she's behaving. And if I have a platform of whatever level to say something like I'm going to say it and Um, I don't think this is a political issue. I think this is an issue of life or death. And that is the only lens that one should view it. And guys, if you're seeing them behave like monsters on social media, just know that doesn't give you a permission slip. Like, just keep on going on. And, you know, it's upsetting for me because Housewives is such an important escape tool. So this is like the exact opposite of that. It's just a huge trigger. So, you know, support the ones who are doing the right thing. Support the housewives that are using their platform for good. Because regardless of, um, you know, donations that these women are making, their actions speak louder than their wallet. And I guess that's just kind of where we've got to leave it. So Bravo, if you're listening, would love it for you guys to slide into their DMs when you get a chance and tell them to do what I wouldn't call the right thing and would say is the only thing, which is maybe for the first time ever shutting the fuck up. Um, on that note, <laughs> James LaRosa, tell the people where to follow you on social. Um, maybe not Kelly, but certainly everybody else. Uh, at James LaRosa. Across all platforms. <laughs> yes. Which is true. And got... <laughs> 
<laughs> and guys, Instagram at Dame Galley, um, uh, my platform of one. Um, I just put out a Patreon episode of Pet Shop Boy and I talking about uh, the streets are talking about rumors abounding regarding to re- relating to regarding to um, the lemon squeeze has really got my voice at this point. Um, relating to all things Giselle and Ashley is significant others, significant others. So that's on Patreon. And P.S., talked to you guys recently about some potential bonus content and that's right I'm going to release on Patreon only an exclusive side episode of Andy's Girls almost an hour of me and Brian Moylan we had to re-record our most recent episode what you guys listened to was essentially the second version the first we were able to tech troubleshoot and I'm so excited to release that on Patreon and also on Instagram this week going to be asking you guys your thoughts and feelings to schedule that Andy's Girls happy hour age Kiki. So I'm going to go by what you guys are telling me. I'm going to put it up as some IG polls, weekend, weeknight, daytime, PM, um, and get that on the books for May. And that will be open first come first serve to OGs of the AG level on Patreon. Whoop, so if you're not supporting the Andy's Girls Patreon, which you can do with the link in this week's show notes, please do it. It's the way to keep me alive. <laughs> Aside from Kelly's staying the fuck away from Manhattan. Um, and I really appreciate those of you who've signed up so far. Um, guys, yet another magical meltdown from your friends. <laughs> and I got to be here for this one. I'm very excited. But I'm glad you um, said it. I'm, I just thank you for saying it. That's all I'm going to say. I think it had to be said. I'm glad you did. Well, you know, I said what I said. So Andy's Girls, <laughs> the, where we mention it all and I suffer the consequences. The door is closed. Yes. <laughs> the door is closed. Guys, I love all of you. Stay safe. Stay sane. Um, unfollow Kelly Dodd. And <laughs> I can't wait to squeeze some more lemons with you guys soon. Okay? Get nine of them. Put them in a bowl and enjoy them from the safety and security of your self-quarantine. Okay? Bye, guys. Love you. 